0: Greetings citizens of the world, the Between the Joysticks podcast is back with another episode. Um, just to give you guys a heads up, we are recording a little bit earlier in the week, so we don't have a, um, a lot of things to talk about, but the things we have to talk about are bigger things.
1: Yeah, they're a little substantial.
0: So there's some stuff later in the week that you notice is missing, that's why we're recording on a Tuesday, this will come out Saturday morning. So to kick it all off, Microsoft dropped the Xbox Series X specs for the most part, some other little nuggets in there. And I believe they did that on Saturday, Mm -mm. if I'm correct, Um, because I was looking over some things and I didn't really get around to actually looking at them until Monday morning. Uh, But we'll go over it right now. Uh, It does have a next generation custom processor, variable rate shading, hardware accelerated DirectX ray tracing, SSD storage, quick resume, dynamic latency input, HDMI 2.1 innovation, 120 frames per second support. Four generations of gaming for backwards compatibility, smart delivery, and Xbox Game Pass are all going to come from the very beginning. So, let's talk about the big things. Uh, I'll be honest, I'm not a big tech guy, so when I hear uh, 12 teraflops of GPU, stuff like that.
1: Lots of memory, lots of room yeah, for
0: Yeah, I mean, it's going to do a lot. It's powerful. That's what that tells me. Uh, the big things I want to talk about, uh, The, the we'll, we'll go smallest to biggest kind of. That I think are important. Uh, Quick resume is something that's really nice. So apparently, you can now uh, suspend multiple games, apps, and seamlessly restart them from where you left off.
1: That's good. So, so I wonder if there's going to be like a limit to that, like a, at most five. Or yeah,
0: something. I don't know. I mean, because right now, if you do anything on the, the Xbox One and you bring up another app, that essentially. It makes the the system run with anything else it closes the other one out uh, the only thing that didn't do that that i used when i originally got it was the tv uh, that was the only thing that seemed to keep everything running if you open like a game and then youtube you would have to excuse me you'd have to restart everything essentially um so that's a nice nice little thing they put in there um and it's supposed to be without long load screens so that's another good thing that's where your t- 12 teraflops comes in things like that um HDMI 2.1 innovation, so basically what this is, it's just going to be um, an, a, just a small upgrade from the HDMI cables that we get right now. Uh, so things will look a little bit better, they'll be a little bit more crisp, um, we're not going to have some of those fuzzy textures, um, and then obviously that goes hand in hand with 120 frames per second. Now obviously not every TV is going to be able to do that, but if you have a 4K TV um, or you know a, a nicer end model or newer TV... Should be able to get up to one hundred twenty frames per second. Uh, I'm not a big frames guy for the most part. That's a big reason why I kind of did Xbox over PlayStation when we started the generation. The it, to me they they look just about the same anyway. Unless I'm really looking at something, I'm not going to notice the difference. Uh, I know you're kind of the same way. Um, so that's not. I mean, it's not. Those aren't huge things for me. But they are definitely big things that that are going to be huge. Uh, obviously Xbox Game Pass coming to the Series X, that's huge. Uh, we're going to get things like Halo Infinite on Game Pass as soon as it releases, uh, on launch day. Um, any other games that launch on, uh, from a Microsoft studio will be on Xbox Game Pass. So that's really cool. Uh, I love to see that. That keeps people involved in it, especially if they go the same way that Microsoft is going right now with their S and their X series with the, uh, payment options where you pay 20 bucks a month. Uh, for like 20 months and you get to keep that console afterwards or you can upgrade within the life cycle that's always a good deal so microsoft's general plan looks like it's kind of we would prefer money over the long run rather than everything up front Uh, always bringing in that revenue stream is something that most businesses want to do the uh, and then we have backwards compatibility Uh, this says four generations of gaming so it looks like we're going to go all the way back to the original xbox 360 xbox one and now the series x that would be four generations my only question is can I just stick any old game in there and it play?
1: I mean, because
0: you could do that with a three hundred and sixty for the most part. There wasn't a whole lot of games where you couldn't stick them in and they wouldn't play for the from the original Xbox anyway. Um,
1: yeah, I don't think I've encountered that problem because, like, I still have OG Wolfenstein and things like that that are that, that still run. Uh, granted, I have the Xbox. 1x, so I don't know if that was an issue. I know
0: that there are some 360 games that will not play, um, but
1: there's be, a lot of because games there's
0: licensing that, issues. But right. I'm hoping that I hope, that's what I'm hoping they've eliminated essentially. Like, I'm hoping that I can stick the game in and it'll play like it's a 360,
1: yeah. Uh, and that's sort of thing that even going back to when they first launched the Xbox One is that it was all okay. Well, we're initially just going to give because all the Xbox 360 work all original Xbox. Yes. And then Xbox One said, "Okay, well we're going to run all the Xbox 360 games and then a handful of the the properties that we actually own own the IP for, and then the rest will be kind of as the developers choose to make it available." And then with Game Pass opened up, that basically said, "Okay, well every game that's ever been made for an Xbox or PC game that we've ported over one way or another, it's pretty much we're saying it's all available." It's up to the developer however to release the coding. To Correct. Allow that to play. Yeah, that's so the that's kind of been their strategy for this whole current cycle anyway and that's really picked up because as we've seen Game Pass kind of explode and expand that that library has gotten deeper and deeper and deeper and I don't think that's going to be going away because no. if it's available on Game Pass that coding's going to be updated for the for the uh, the, the discs as well. Yes. So I don't see that taking any kind of backward step. I think that's going to continue to move forward.
0: Yes. Uh, the last thing that they they announced, which I think is the biggest thing, is probably what we'll talk about for a, a good while. uh smart delivery. Essentially, what smart delivery is, uh, if you purchase a, uh, we're gonna use the, we're gonna use Cyberpunk as an example because they've confirmed that this is this will happen with this game. Okay. So if you purchase Cyberpunk when it comes out on, in September on uh, for your Xbox One, oh, obviously yeah. the Xbox One X won't be out yet, or the Series X won't be out yet. If you purchase your Cyberpunk disc for the Xbox One you want to play it in September. Series X comes out two months later. You don't have to buy another Series X disc. The disc you stick in there will automatically upgrade your version to the best playing version on Xbox. Mm. So essentially what that means is...
1: Even if your game is based off hardware, there will be a software correct. to make it run yes. Perfect.
0: There will either be an update or something that happens. Uh, and Xbox has pretty much said that this is available to everybody...
1: So it's not just publishers compatibility. Xbox is technically doing forward compatibility.
0: Yeah, technically, uh, yeah. But I mean, so they just – as long as that game exists for Xbox Series X. So Cyberpunk is going to be a good example. Um, and I don't even necessarily think it has to ex- exist per se. It just needs to have that software firmware update that makes it the best available version. So essentially when you stick any game inside your Series X – it will it will automatically update to the best version available at you know for the Xbox essentially. So basically, you know you have Cyberpunk. They've they've you know they obviously work very closely with Microsoft. Um, every time they do reveals at E3 or any other time, it's usually on Microsoft stage. So they're very close already. Um, I have to imagine that this was not something that you know CG Project Red is CD Project Red is a good consumer company. Uh, I wouldn't say they do a lot of anti consumer things, if any, really. Um, you know, whether that be when you buy The Witcher for the Switch, you get a, f- a map and a, you know, a case filled with I a mean, bunch of extra yeah, goodies, you get things all, like you that. Get all
1: kinds of extra physical goodies. I mean, every DLC they released, like actual major story based DLC, could have been its own game. Yes. and I mean, And Evol- non
0: story DLC was free.
1: Yeah, absolutely free. It was fantastic. And I mean, they, they've pretty much written the book on how to be a good guy game
0: developer. Yeah, so I, I can see that that being a little bit of them and a little bit of Microsoft going, okay, we already work close together, make this game available, maybe we'll throw a little bit of money your way, work things out. Um, so basically, it's it's up to the the developers or the publisher to go, okay, yes, there's a free upgrade available for this. Because I can definitely see some companies going, okay, well, we want you to buy our game twice. That's why another thing I can see it's remasters kind of going away. Uh, if you can just take a game, like Fallout 3 is a great example. I watched the um, the Mr. Matty plays uh, video today on the CD Project Red thing. That's what, something he brought up very quickly. Uh, everyone's been clamoring for a Fallout 3 remaster, essentially, for the last... Uh, the 10-year anniversary was last year. We all thought it was coming, and it didn't. So it's been, you know, last two or three years, we've kind of seen... You know, Fallout 3 is kind of... It's, like we said, on its 10-year anniversary, it's one of the... Bigger Games. It's my, one of my favorite games of all time. It's really what got me into RPGs and things like that. I don't see that getting a remaster because I can just see that getting an upgrade for the Series X and Bethesda's just going, "Okay, we're going to release this with you know, maybe a Fallout 76 DLC or if if you've purchased Fallout 76 or you plan on purchasing Fallout 76, you'll get Fallout 3 Series X upgraded." released with it essentially
1: i mean that, that very much could be the case but in most most games when they get a remaster it's not like last of us where it's a major graphics upgrade and just a general speed performance enhancement most things like if you're talking about things like fallout 3 that's going to be like because if you look at their original game engine unless you're playing as a melee weapon or unless you're constantly spamming the vats the general gunplay is b- oh yeah it, it's, it's, it's bad it, it's busted Agreed. real bad and if you go back and you look at other things like any of the Assassin's Creed remasters, when they did that, they basically recreated major parts of the game engine to make it function better and more streamlined. Because you had original games like Assassin's Creed 2, where you had a lot of different button mashing and combinations that had to go on. But if you buy any of the remastered editions uh, of that game, it's much more streamlined, intuitive controls like what we've seen with Unity and things like that, where it's Less button, buttons that need to be pushed in order to do the same amount of things that they did before. So
0: in that case, yeah. So if you do like a, so that's putting, almost like a pseudo remake, close. So if you have to redo some areas, obviously the game doesn't change, but some of your background well, things can. Right, can but shift when most
1: people it. think of a remaster, they think of something like, like Last of Us getting bumped up to new generation. Com- Graphics or right. anything like the Final Fantasy games getting bumped up with brand new graphics, but not necessarily thinking of an actual like gameplay engine, the thing that makes the game run smoothly and controls everything the characters are able to do and function. That's pretty much an entire game overhaul. That's not just a remaster. That's you know, a remake. That's, that's a remake. That is something
0: that's not going that's, to go that's, away. That's it, ground it, up. And but I think, if those get released, we're paying for those still.
1: And I think with the things that we saw from what everybody really loved about the engine in Fallout 4, and with what small upgrades we saw with New Vegas, is that if we did get some sort of remaster, remake of Fallout 3, we we'd definitely want that Fallout remake, rather than just a graphics remaster. Yes. Granted, a remaster with just updated Fallout 4 level graphics would be mind-boggling and still amazing, and I have no problem vatsing the heck out of everything. Yeah, I think that would be great. I mean, that's how I played it the first time, and it was still amazing. Yes. But if I have that option to still be amazing outside of vats mode and just general shoot-around, that makes it even more enjoyable.
0: Agreed. I I think that, obviously, remakes are are things that aren't really going to go anywhere. Um, I think that it just depends on... Uh, the publishers and the developers are willing to do it. I mean, obviously, it sounds like remakes are not something Bethesda really wants to get into very much, mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason. Um, you think that the kind of the way they've their tone has changed over the last couple years, and and I, let's let's be clear, I don't want to get too off subject here, but I don't th- I think that tone is getting ready to shift back. I think this was something that they experimented with. It didn't work. It's gonna stick around. It's not going anywhere. But I don't know that it's gonna be like. This is not the norm... Fallout 76 is not going to be the norm for Bethesda no, going was, forward. it might was
1: very it. much an experiment, a shot in the dark form, something that they just wanted to try their hands at. Whether or not that, that's going to continue to be a thing remains to be seen. But I think kind of what you said is that, going off what you said, I think Bethesda itself sees itself more as an established franchise publisher. So rather than going out and re-releasing all these things that everybody loves for a newer console, newer generation their game plan has typically been so far okay well i'm going to make the next best game that i can possibly right. make in this particular series and then that'll hopefully make you want to go back and play the older game. yeah and that's fair and see I, where it came from see what it was yeah. and then if there's enough generated interest maybe we boost the graphics on that old we'll one make it run a little better just g- generic performance enhancements to make the game run smoother and faster and easier on the new console so that it's not yeah. so busted and old i and mean
0: laggy, let, let's be honest it's still
1: enjoyable And that's still that's still a perfectly reasonable way to approach things. Absolutely, part of what makes those games so amazing is what what they were at the time.
0: I'll be honest. uh, Fallout Three is probably in my top three all time of games ever created, and it's very hard to go back to. Uh, I've I tried when Fallout Four came out because you got a free copy of Fallout Three after you bought if you bought it uh, day one, I believe, or something similar to that, and oh boy. It's just the gunplay is not good uh, for whatever reason when they made the game they d- decided not to do iron sights which drives me insane. Um,
1: oh, you mean you don't like that, that awkward like elbow fire that you get that you get to just pull your gun up just like a. It's, quarter It's
0: it's so weird. It's just
1: <laughs> I, that's and that,
0: I think that's why like New Vegas. I don't mind going back to that. I, it's got iron sights. The gunplay's a little bit better. It's not as good as Fallout Four, but it's there. I think that's the biggest reason. If I could get. If we get Fallout 3 with iron sights, a little bit better gunplay, I'd play that game all the time. I would never stop playing it. Um, but anyway, I think that's the biggest thing to take away from the Xbox Series X is essentially they're saying that if you don't get on board right away, we completely understand that. We still want you to buy our games like Halo Infinite, um, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, whatever else comes out, Hellblade when that comes out. They're essentially saying even if you – so. It, the The best thing I can think of is even if you can't afford our console in November, which is probably when it's releasing, November, October, late October, early November, you can still buy these games, and if you get our console for Christmas, they'll still work. Or if you get our console for your birthday in the middle of next year, they'll still work, and they'll look the best they can look, possibly, on that, on that console when you get it.
1: Cool, well, and I think... Part of that is going to have to do with the fact that the way video game developers are approaching games now with, you know, like Fallout 76, how Bethesda said, okay, we're going to support this for a long time to come. Right. Destiny, with EA and Activision and Bungie and all those guys, originally said, okay, we're going to support this game for 10 years. whether in, well. in some way or another. Well, I mean, it, it went from, okay, well, we get three years out of Destiny yeah. 1, which essentially took it across two platforms, and then Destiny 2 also across two, two console generations as well. So I mean,
0: yeah, because Des- so Destiny 2, I I'm not real into it right now. I know it is um, f- free, kind of. Base game
1: is for is, the most part, yeah, free, But kind you of get into all the DLC right. stuff for extra prices. But I, but I, but the point is when you get into games that it, that are surviving across multiple generations when you're porting them in from different places, where you get things like what Rockstar has done with Grand Theft Auto 5 GTA Online yeah that's been around since the 360 so that's gonna be three generations because yeah. that's still one of the number one selling games and I think that's out
0: there when you look at games like that it, obviously games that are, are released at, like in the early end of 2013 they're still
1: pumping out new content
0: and the early in the early part of 2020 obviously those games are gonna have a little bit more of an advantage because Grand Theft Auto came out what in the summer of 2013 well, I think if, well Something like yeah that. I
1: mean that's that's one thing but then you also have to look at what happened with Red redemption 2 which was it didn't release across all platforms even computers i mean pc gamers just got it a couple months ago back in 2019 so it went to consoles first and then it dropped on pc but pc players were going out and buying consoles so they wouldn't be left out of the story left out of this environment and then those who had it on one console first and then got an upgrade or whatever for something else later they were buying stuff three or four different times for that game because yeah. they they were that passionate about about the game and the franchise. So, I mean, when you got things like that where it's limited to where it's being released first or you get a timed exclusive somewhere else and people want to engage with that content, it makes sense that, okay, well, if I buy it on 360 now or on the Xbox One or on the PS3, PS4, and then when the next generation console pops up, why would I drop another... 60 bucks another 200 yeah. bucks because if you're if i mean that's astronomical amounts of money if it's not just the standard 60 if you go out and buy that ultimate edition again just to get all yeah. the same dlcs on the next generation console i mean what, what's really the what are you actually gaining there yeah i mean much?
0: let's let's look at the the series x when it releases i mean so we only know halo, halo infinite for sure a launch title uh i'm gonna go ahead and assume fable 4 is gonna be a launch title. I'm going to assume that Hellblade is going to be a launch title. So, already, there's three games already. Uh, if you're a big Microsoft guy and you don't have Game Pass, you're easily spending almost $700 on release night. Probably over $700 because you're more than likely going to buy another controller. Um, so, without the Game Pass and, and the and these things... Um, you know, the, the payment plan that Microsoft is putting in place. I mean, console gaming is expensive, and Microsoft is making it unbelievably cheap. You can essentially... And that's why I, I also, now that I think about it, don't think that Fable and Hellblade are going to be launch titles because obviously there are going to be a bunch of launch titles, uh, not necessarily all from Microsoft but some other companies. I don't think Microsoft can afford to put to pull out three launch title games and then put them on Game Pass that same day. So essentially you're you're walking out, and say you've say you've got a purchase plan for a Series X, it shows up to your door, you paid $20 for your first month for that, for that to come to your door. You paid say you played $15 for Game Pass Ultimate. So you're paying for your gold and your games that you just got. You're only Deep what thirty five bucks for a brand new console, with a with a controller and a bunch of games? That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. That's a great deal. Yeah.
1: That's I mean that's
0: just crazy because I I mean we've we've talked about this a little bit and we still don't know the pricing. That's not something that was released, but I I would be I would be shocked if it's over five hundred dollars. We talked about it last week a little bit with PS4 and their or the PS5 and its its pricing issues, um with it getting produced. I would. I would be stunned if if either of these guys go over $500. Even if even if they do, I mean it's only going to help Microsoft at this point because of the the way you can the way you are essentially able to access an Xbox console at this time, whether it be an S, an X or the Series X coming up, it's just so user friendly in order to get one of these in your living room. And that's what Microsoft wants. They they could they could care less about how or or why you're playing their games. They just want you to sit down and play. Yep. They don't care where. They don't care why you're doing it. They just want you to sit down and play their games. Yep. And we've seen that with some of their titles coming to the Switch and things like that. Microsoft is just trying to get its hands wherever it can get them at this point. And, and I think that shows um, that they were you know obviously a little more desperate this generation or last generation. But I, I really think so far, um, I mean, they're they're getting ready to crank one out of the park here in this generation if, if they keep doing things the way that they've been doing things over the last two to three years.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think it speaks to desperation necessarily. I think it speaks more of a moment of recognizing what their strengths are, which is, okay, if we build a good enough gaming community, if we build a diverse enough gaming library, if we give the gamers what they want, which is quality and quantity, then the actual hardware sales will figure themselves out. Because if they end up taking a hit on console sales, yeah, they're going to be in the hole starting out, but with things like Game Pass, where you're generating $15 a month content, yeah, and then if somebody likes a game enough, and it's almost on its way out, and they like where the game's going, then they'll blow the $10, $20, whatever that reduced game tag, yeah. Xbox Live reduced price is, to keep that game around in their inventory. I mean, so the thing is, yeah, it's going to be a slow recuperation on that initial loss, but they're eventually going to make profit off of it because they're generating some sort of established long-term relationship with the gamers. It's not just necessarily, okay, well, we have to have exclusives like what PlayStation has, which is, okay, we're having these exclusives that are only to us, and that's that's kind of our shtick, that's our spiel. Yes. Everybody likes these, we know this, we're going to keep pushing out that sort of stuff because that's what we think our model should be. Whereas Xbox is more of, okay, well, we already have a, a strong enough fan base as far as we're concerned. How do we get more people to, to come to gaming just in general? Because they just want everybody to enjoy yeah. what they're doing. I mean, so for them to go out and experiment with things like xCloud, where you can literally play an Xbox game on your phone, on your computer, right. in a hotel room, on that smart TV, wherever it is you you have some sort of screen and an internet connection, I think that really speaks to... A strength of theirs that they're able to take those risks. Not necessarily they have to take those risks because they could very well still be in the same camp that PlayStation yeah. is, where they crank out their Xbox only exclusives and let that be what it is. But I mean, all you do is alienate a certain group of people on the other side that are going to sit right. there and say, "Okay, well, if Xbox is going to be that way and be those jerks, and we never get to play Halo without having to buy a whole another console, then." we were totally justified in only ever supporting sony or only ever supporting yeah. nintendo and i mean and and you know nintendo has its own bread and butter and that's that's kind of their thing and, and and that's all well and good but it doesn't necessarily speak to a weakness that they're trying and doing all these different things or that yeah they might be hindered by something that happens out on the offset because again what we've seen from them and what we've heard from them is they're playing the long game in this now yeah
0: absolutely um, and I don't want that to. I don't want people to think that Microsoft is not going to make any exclusives. Uh, like I don't think you'll ever. I don't think we we will ever see like Halo on the PlayStation. I will never see Gears of War on the Switch. There are going to be some things that Microsoft releases that are going to say strictly to the Xbox. But I do think games like, like The Outer Worlds, for example, uh, they do own. I mean, they own Obsidian. They own that IP. If they release an Outer Worlds 2, I could very well see that going to every console because it released – the first one released on every console. Yep. I would not be shocked at all if if that's something that happens or any of their th- – any of the, the newer parties that they kind of purchased up. Hellblade was a uh, – I believe Hellblade was a timed exclusive for either the PC or the PS4. I cannot remember which one. Now they own Ninja Theory. I could very well – I could very much imagine Hellblade, uh, Senua's Saga – releasing on every platform that it released, the original one released for when it releases. Uh, I don't think that Microsoft is, is going to take every single game that they own technically with their studios and, and make it an exclusive. For the, now, can I be very wrong? And for the first couple years, could they do that? Yes, because they haven't turned out hardly any exclusives since the, the Xbox One came out. We've gotten the Halo game, Gears of War, Crackdown, Sea of Thieves,
1: uh the Tomb Raider games were timed exclusives.
0: And I think that's it.
1: Well, and even then the Tomb Raider games were timed exclusives for the PlayStation and they eventually dropped over to Xbox.
0: So I uh, even then, so even so forget the forget the Tomb Raider games. That's four games. Am I missing
1: anything? No, I think that that pretty much wraps it up. I,
0: I think yeah, four, there, there four been a exclusives. So the two Gears games. So there are two Gears games. Halo. Four or Halo 5, Sea of Thieves, Crackdown 3. Five games. Yep,
1: five games, and it's been oh, what, five, six years in the generation? Seven,
0: seven years. Yeah. Seven years. Oh boy. I didn't realize that.
1: That's insane. Yeah, but they've also have they haven't. Oh well, haven't, hold on, we we forgot have, about
0: launch games. Rise, Son of Rome. Okay, Rise,
1: Rise is most, one of the most. I will defend that game I, my life. That was a day one. I'm the same. That, I love it. I think a day it's one amazing. Game it has the same game game engine as Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor, or the Batman Arkham games. That same. I love combo, that game. That combo building. Basically, okay. Anybody out there that loves gladiator the movie with russell crowe you know the whole i i am maximus you know all yes. that, all that good stuff imagine that game with some roman mythology tied in as a video game because that's basically what it is you pay you play as a as a roman legionnaire soldier who goes off to goes off to basically the the foreign ends of the uk and fight your way back into rome only to find that your family's been Taken apart and destroyed, and you have to overthrow the emperor. Yes, I to get your. I will be honest. It is Gladiator the movie. It, and it is, is glorious. It is
0: underrated. The multiplayer and of that game are
1: phenomenal. Yes, Even for OG Xbox One, if you go back and play that now on the on the Xbox One X or the S or whatever you've got you've got running now, if it's if it's the most updated version of that game, whoo! It only gets better, and it's phenomenal storytelling, phenomenal gameplay. Go back and play that, and the servers are still alive for the multiplayer because that Gladiator. Uh, Open Colosseum Combat multiplayer is also just something else. I'm
0: like. curious if the servers are still up for that game. I I own it. Oh, they are.
1: I played it. I, pl- I we played need it to last
0: get week. we need to get together <laughs> and play. it. I love that game. I played
1: it last it's week. It's been
0: forever since I played it. But I jump in there
1: every once in a while just because it's super. Oh, fun. Quantum Break. Uh,
0: I own that. I actually forgot all about that. That's an that's an exclusive. Um, so here's a list of 17. Uh, so let's go over the 17. So I. Killer Instinct, I don't count, because that's a remake. Ah, wow. Dance Central.
1: Well, I mean, you kind of have to count rough. it, because PlayStation's alternative to that is Mortal Kombat.
0: Okay, well, yeah, but Mortal Kombat's available for everything. Right, so. but it,
1: they tend to be timed exclusives, so it sticks around for like that first year, first year of launch, and then it drops over to both both sides.
0: Uh, so there's a Dance Central game that probably only worked with the Kinect.
1: That sounds right, because now they've abandoned that, and Ubisoft... Oh, no,
0: no, no, no. Dance Central was Microsoft's. Was it? Dance Central was the Kinect one, not... I'm I'm thinking of Just Dance. Yeah. That's Ubisoft's. Yeah. Dance Central is the Microsoft one, so those don't exist anymore, but it's still an exclusive. Quantum Break, which I had, decent game, not bad. Uh Oh... The Dead Rising games. Three and four. So there's a couple more. Uh, those were... Mm,
1: they were wonky and interesting. They're they, just they, fun. They, yeah.
0: Uh, Forza. I keep forgetting about Forza. Just because it's not something I get to play a whole lot. Sunset, like Sunset Overdrive? It's
1: just so... Sunset Overdrive. Oh, I have that game and i kind of never z- played it. Oh, it's the same kind of general... My z- brother loves it. wonderful... Okay, so imagine because
0: it's an Insomniac game, and that's like the only one they've ever done for yeah, yeah, anyone yeah. other than
1: yeah. And basically, I want you to think of the zaniness of Borderlands Two and the color palette that is that world, and then throw that in on a Dead Rising style game where it's just That's what I've heard. From my, that's what I've heard
0: from my brother. That's, so that's kind of that the makes sense, way to,
1: and it also has that kind of like humorous approach to it that both of those games have. Uh,
0: Rare Replay, which. Underrated game. I get it's a bunch of remakes, but if you give me Banjo Kazooie and Conquer, I'll play that all day.
1: Dude, Battletoads, Battletoads as well. Battletoads. Um, so let's <laughs> that's that's say Battletoads.
0: Gears, Halo, Master Chief Collection, but that was a 360 release before, correct? Yes. So that's something that was ported over. Oh, the first Titanfall game. I completely forgot all about that. Yeah. I I forgot that was an exclusive. See now they've been able to keep. Titanfall 2 as an exclusive that would have helped.
1: Probably would have, but again, that's that's kind of not the direction Microsoft has been in. Right. Like it, that was right around the same time when they really decided that that was going to be a general release across all platforms. That's about the same time we started seeing all the messaging from Phil Spencer and those guys of we're just trying to get everybody to play everything and enjoy everything we're producing.
0: Uh Ori and the Blind Forest? I've never played that. I've heard Always, great things about it though. Other than that, those are the trip... I mean, oh, State of Decay 2.
1: So, I mean, those are yeah, the Yeah, they big... just released a big gameplay update, update to that, which basically revamped the whole game from the ground up. So I need to get... I, I've been meaning to jump into that again since they have retooled it. I like what they did with State of Decay 2. It fixed a lot of problems the first game had. So I'm very curious to see what this massive overhaul that they've done a couple weeks ago is actually what those improvements are.
0: Um, Cuphead... Which uh, is an amazing game. It's incredibly difficult, but it is a lot of fun. Uh, if you can control yourself without breaking things.
1: Yeah, how'd that go for you? How many uh, controllers did you go through? Actually,
0: I didn't break a controller, but I kind of went and knew... Like, when I bought it, I, I bought it intentionally to play with my brother, and we never beat it.
1: I just... I just we got about
0: halfway through it.
1: I don't think anyone has... I don't think anyone has, because <laughs> nobody hates themselves that much it's, to beat that game.
0: I've definitely heard that the uh, like the, the the final boss is something that is just insane, so... Um, I've watched YouTube videos. Yeah, I want it nothing. It's, it's, it's absolutely uh chaos. So a couple other ones that we did forget. Uh, D4, Dark Dreams Don't Die. I literally have never, never heard of that. Never even heard of it. Outer Wilds, I wasn't aware that that was an Xbox exclusive. I heard great things about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's pretty much it. So we were, eh, we got, I mean, we got about half of them when we originally were naming off our list. But there's not a lot, and I think so. I mean, there's like twenty of them right there. There's a handful. There's like twenty in seven years. I think PlayStation has tripled that number, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's been PlayStation's. That's been PlayStation's bread and butter, knocking out exclusives that people enjoy, single player stories. Xbox has been more of a place to come and. And commune with people to game. Uh, I mean, I don't. I, I honestly, when I'm playing games now, I don't. There's not a whole lot of nights where I'm I'm not in a party with somebody if I'm on my Xbox. So, um, any other thoughts or anything on Series X or uh, anything similar to it that you've got?
1: Uh, just very excited. Yes, definitely. Things definitely very just excited waiting to see the price tag.
0: Yes, I think when the PlayStation releases their thing, I think they'll do prices at E3 um that's generally where they do them um i'm surprised we've gotten this much information before e3 and and again i don't want to get too far off topic but i think that shows kind of the the deterioration of e3 is essentially we've gotten more than our fair share of information before that i think we'll get a lot of information at e3 still but i think e3 is gonna be mostly for games now i think by the time e3 rolls around we'll know almost everything there is to know about the series x at least uh, the PS5, who knows, when Sony's rumored to do their thing yeah,
1: next they're, weekend. They're still playing it real close to the vest, I think, and that's kind of been the rumor that's been going around on Twitter and Reddit, too, is that they're kind of biding their time to see what Xbox yes. says in terms of price tags and performance. Yes, yeah, price
0: definitely, um, but the the rumored reveal is supposed to be on the 29th, uh, so we'll see if that comes true. If it does, we'll talk about it next week. If it doesn't, we'll talk about it whenever it happens. So let's go ahead and move on to our next topic. Um, we'll kind of pair these next two topics together because they are kind of intertwined. Uh, Project Luminous was unveiled last night. Um, it was a late West Coast reveal, so like ten PM. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if anybody missed it. Um, it is a it was confirmed to be a publishing only uh, group effort with Del Rey, uh, Disney, Lucasfilm Press. Uh, IDW Publishing, Marvel Comics. Uh, There's going to be a couple other publishers in there, but those are just the ones that we know of right now. The authors are Claudia Gray, uh, Justina Ireland, Daniel Jose Older, Kavan Scott, Charles Soule. Um, It is the High Republic era for the Star Wars universe. It is 200 years before the Skywalker saga, so not as far back as we thought. We thought we were going 400. It's only going to be 200 years. Um, Essentially, this is a time that has never been covered ever in canon in legends. George Lucas never really wrote any content or had any content concerning this era. Um, yeah, we talked it, it's about fresh. This
1: It's giant it's, blank slate. and
0: that's why they, they literally canvas. said the reason we chose this is because we can do whatever we want with it
1: and not get yelled at by the
0: internet. Exactly. Well, I mean, there's always there's always people who are going to be mad, but I I mean, at that point, you can't please everybody. Um, no. Another reason that is that they said so, they.
1: That's not how it works. <laughs> it's a blank canvas. Disney can do what they want. Nobody can yell at them. It's a safe space. Literally Um, space.
0: But the reason, another reason they said they picked this, this spot too is because of the shows and movies currently in development and some other projects. Nothing overlaps this era. So they had a lot of free space to do whatever they wanted to do for the most part. Um, they did announce that it's going to be in phases. So they are taking kind of a snippet of the Marvel Universe. Uh, this first phase is going to have two comics and three novels. Um, well, I say three novels. The third one is more of a um, like young readers book I, I don't want to say that because they said it was gonna have a, some mature tones so it's kind of gonna kind of be in the middle um, the the novel I mean, young is, adult
1: is still a young adult. Have to well be like not a not book?
0: young adult so the, there is a young adult book uh, and I'm excited for that because I've read Cla- and Claudia Gray's doing that and she does young adult books and they're awesome uh, they're some of the best there, if When Claudia Gray does a book and it's a young adult book, I love it. it Lost Stars was good. Uh, I believe that she did Dark Disciple. I, I'm looking at my books right now. Uh, she did a story in, from a certain point of view that was good. Anything she does is generally very, 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 very good. Um, so Light of the Jedi is the first novel. It is going to kick everything off on August 25th of this year. Uh, essentially what this happens is it's like, it, now, like we said, this is a cumulative story. So everything is going to kind of play off of one another. Um, I guess at the start of this book, there is going to be a cataclysm of some kind and that's kind of what, what pushes the universe forward, um, from there. The next book, the YA book is going to be Into the Dark and then the... Again, I don't want to call it a children's book because that's not what it is. It definitely is a little bit more kid-friendly. There's going to be some mature tones in there. Uh, It's called A Test of Courage. The comic series are The High Republic and then The High Republic Adventures. The Adventures series, for for Star Wars anyway, uh, is definitely a little bit more kid-friendly. So you're going to get a comic book for kind of everybody and then you're going to get a comic book for kids. Um, It is uh, confirmed to be focused on the Jedi of the time. There are going to be other non-Jedi Uh, playing a role Um, they have mentioned that we'll probably see some bounty hunters and things like that we do know that yoda is alive at this time uh he died when he was about 900 years old so he's about 700 years old around this time i think that makes a lot of sense with kind of what they're doing with the mandalorian if we can see if we see more of the child i can see more of his race species because if he's around, I have to imagine Yaddle is also around, the the female version of him that is in... She's in the movies for three seconds, essentially. But I have to imagine she's around as well. She may be much younger. We, we're not aware. So I can see maybe some things getting explored through there. Uh, the main group of uh, jewel, uh, antagonists, I lost my train of thought there, are the Nile, uh, and that is spelled... N i h l e. It's very reminiscent of Darth Nihilus, uh, which is a Sith Lord from the Old Republic era. I don't know if they have a if that was kind of what they were going for. If they're playing off that a little bit, um, they haven't said a whole lot about them. That they are they they literally said that they are space Vikings. So I like that. Uh, that sounds like it could be a good idea. They also made uh, notes to to remember that hyperspace lanes are not well put together. The Outer Rim has not really been explored uh, as we know it in the Skywalker Saga. So the galaxy is probably going to be a lot more spread out and open from what we know just because there's not been a lot going on in that area uh, or at least that they've been able to get out to. So obviously, if you if you take a step back 200 years, there's obviously things that happen uh, that you know we're not aware of, things like that. So overall, I'm excited. I'm glad that it's just a publishing effort. Uh, I'm glad that we're not going to have... Shows and movies and games that are kind of running all over the place right now. I think that is... I think the problem with that is that things get oversaturated. The The era of Star Wars that is considered the original trilogy and the time in between 3 and 4 is so oversaturated with stories right now. I, I'm glad we're getting something new and fresh. Uh, like, I, I, I don't want to hear anything about any Skywalkers... I love Star Wars and I love what they do. It's just there's just been so much, um, in terms of things that happen in the same time frame. I'm glad we're doing something new and different.
1: That prophecy's got to come in somewhere. Somebody's I mean, come I'm sure
0: with, it'll mention. I'm sure it'll bring. I'm sure somebody's that's coming up. Gotta come up with
1: that I don't
0: disagree. I'm glad you brought that up because I agree with you. I think we're gonna hear about that in this. Like, it'll either be started in the High Republic or it it will already have been a thing and they'll know about it essentially. Um, I can't imagine that we we don't end up seeing some familiar places, obviously, I I think. um, And we have to remember, a lot of familiar places in Star Wars are actually in the Outer Rim. There's not a whole lot of core worlds that are super famous. Um, Tatooine, Naboo, those are in the Outer Rim. Um, uh, Dathomir, um, I mean, there's there's a ton of... Planets that are familiar with everybody that are not in the Outer Rim. Uh, I'll be honest, though. I am really excited to see a place like Coruscant, 2,000 years. Essentially, the, the galaxy's capital. I think that is going to be amazing um, with with how everything works. Um, just to see everything kind of faded away like that uh, or, you know, a vintage look. Because we look at some of the pictures. They did release some concept art The Jedi very much... They look like Jedi. I mean, you can tell that they've they've got their signature... Well, I shouldn't say signature because they've got robes on, but it's not what we're used to seeing. Uh, And they also have like a... uh, I think they called their robes their dress blues. And then they they have like a mission attire as well, which is definitely more reminiscent of the Jedi robes that we see in the Knights of the Old Republic games, things like that. So there's definitely a little bit of a mix there. Um,
1: Right. Well, I mean, the thing is, though, when the original original trilogy was the original trilogy, well, not even then, when the prequel trilogy was what it was, and they kind of explained what the Jedi were before they fell, they were essentially UN peacekeeping forces. Like, they had pretty much degraded themselves. They were no longer a standing military force. So to see them back 200 years ago when they were still a standing and thriving military force in the galaxy, it makes sense to see them go from just generic non-threatening brown robes that were to be associated with their general peacekeeper status, you know, to kind of like your generic traveling marshal of the old west as it were, who was just kind of there to keep the law, but he wasn't really there to to cause any trouble or ruffle any feathers. He was just there if you needed
0: him. Yeah, so as opposed to a
1: military the, force the which thing is, had with, very much yeah, aesthetic.
0: The thing is with Jedi, they've, they've never been a full fledged military force. They've always been more of peacekeepers, but the thing is, you didn't have, there wasn't huge armies that rose up against them, essentially, and that's why you bring, you know, the clones in. Um, I, so I honestly don't know. We Like we said, the Nile, we don't know how big they are. We don't know what they consist of. We really don't know anything about them. The, um, the writers and, and the the panel that was there said that we would hear much more and get much more information between now and August 25th so I'm assuming we, we will will get introduced to characters we'll get introduced to villains we'll find out more about some of the intentions of some things uh, as we go along but um, I, I don't I don't expect to see a Ton more Jedi than what we've seen in 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 episode one and two and and three. I can see there being you know I can see us focusing on more Jedi, but I don't necessarily think that they're because all they, so what they said is this is the Jedi of this era are very much like Jedi Knights of the Round Table. So I'm very excited for that because that does seem um, very noble. Um, it seems like something we can all all kind of get behind for Jedi um so I, I am very excited i think uh they've got a good couple ideas and you know hopefully we we get to read some cool things like I said I'm just excited for a new a new slate and a new um new direction that they're going in and it makes me it also makes me feel good that we've we have a little bit of confirmation that we're not having any overlap from any shows or movies that are in development. Um, there was a new movie that was slated to be in development. It has a screenwriter and a director. I cannot, for the life of me, remember the director's name. I want to say it's um, DW something, but that does not sound right. So I apologize with that, but it does sound like there is another. Uh, and it also was confirmed that that movie may or may not go straight to Disney. Plus. So that would be interesting. Um, I do, just before we, we go, uh, or just before we move on. Uh, I do want to talk about, I do want to mention just uh, some of the planets like um, Endor, Bespin, Hoth, Mustafar, uh, like I said, Tatooine, Geonosis, Naboo. Those are planets that are either in the it, deep into the outer, outer rim or in the mid rim. So I don't necessarily think that there are going to be a lot of those planets showing up. I'm sure we'll see some things uh, that are familiar in this era, uh, there is a Wookiee Jedi, which is amazing, we've got one of those in the Clone Wars, and we got one of those, I believe in Legends, um, but nothing, nothing to this level, uh, no adults essentially, so I'm excited to see that, it is something new and different, so I imagine we get to see Kashyyyk, because that is a little bit closer to the inner rim, um, so there are going to be a, a lot of a lot of worlds that we get to see, and a lot of um, you know familiar things. But it's also nice because we're going to see a lot of different things. Don't get me wrong; I'm sure we'll, we're going to see Master Yoda, uh, whether he is a master or not at that time. I can't imagine him not showing up. So that is definitely something that that I can I can see going on. Um, so we are now going to talk about something that literally uh, we were we were talking today. Uh, we were, I literally asked you, I said, Hey, do you want to record tonight? It's really our only night we can do it. We've got stuff going on the rest of the week. And you said, yeah, what are we going to talk about? And I had series X project luminous. Uh, and then literally an hour later, I got a notification that saying that Bob Iger stepped down from the Disney CEO, Bob, uh, what was his last name?
1: Chappek? yes I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but it's C-H-A-P-E-K. Yes. It's so
0: I would say Chapik is, is how I would say it. Um, Bob Iger has not left Disney. He is in an... In, um, Executive
1: chairman role. He's not exactly stepping away from the company. He's just in a backseat. And he's been rumored to be on the move to retirement like five or six times now. Yeah. And with things like the Fox merger and, and new projects and major projects coming out, he's always kind of just stayed the course and stayed there. Yes. But he's been trying to get out of that spotlight for a while.
0: I mean, we have to look at this. Bob Iger, since 2006, has bought Pixar... Marvel, Star Wars, and 20th Century Fox. Yeah, that's insane. That's crazy.
1: Yep, four major, four major uh, companies. Those
0: are, I mean, those are Disney's. I mean, those are huge money makers at mm-hmm. this point for them. Yep. That's just insane. Um, it is nice that he's not completely stepping away because it it did sound like Bob had a big hand in some content creation for a lot of different things. Yeah, and,
1: and that's the reason he's staying on yes. in, in the role he's in. Cause he still wants to have a hand in, in the creative stuff that's going on there. And from, an, uh, he did a call, I guess, right after the announcement to a lot of the major stockholders in which, uh, he basically said, you know, talking about the coincidence, cause it's been rumored that within the next 22 months, he's going to be formally retiring from everything and just sitting back and enjoying his, his, his time. Um, But the idea was, rather than wait until he absolutely wants to retire to just peace out and leave, the idea was, okay, well, now that everything with Fox's merger has finally settled, all the other things have been settled into place, now there's just creative stuff to get done. So while he has the next 22 months or so to basically step back and still be involved in creative aspects of what's going on with Disney, handing this over to a new person to take over and still kind of have that back and forth so that he can kind of wean him in and, and, and basically teach him all the things he can teach him within that 22 months to make that transition easier and more permanent Right before he disappears and rides off into his own personal Mickey Mouse here at Sunset is, <laughs> you know,
0: yeah a way now. It's be... not just something
1: that's completely out of the air, out of, out of the blue. Right. This is something that's been planned for a while. The yeah, obviously, of it obviously. Yeah, it, obviously, it, it's, things it's like this don't just because this wasn't just meant. This this was out of the blue as far as everybody else was concerned. Right. But he's been, he's been trying to retire for about five years, and they just keep buying more stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> there was never a good time for him, and I guess now he feels like there's a good time to at least step back. And yeah. it, this is a good period of transition that that will make it a little less tumultuous than just. Okay, well I'm gone. Bye, you guys have fun figuring it
0: out. He's sitting there and he's like, Man, Sony wouldn't wouldn't take five billion for Spider Man, so I guess I'll step down for a little while. You could try your hand at it. Um but in, in all you know, I do think that he's done a great job with Disney. Uh obviously it, it has become a mega billion dollar corporation, but it still seems to to me anyway it still seems to keep those values that you want to see with something like Disney. I, I think if Walt Disney was able to look at that company today and, and see what it's become and what it does, I don't think he would be upset with the direction that they've gone in, essentially. Um, the things that they do now, the things that they've done in the past since Bob has been there, the content that they create for everybody, not just children, um, is amazing. The things that they were able to do under under him... Are are amazing, and um, we we constantly say, me and you talk about it all the time that you know Disney doesn't have a lot of say, um, you know, with Marvel things, Lucasfilm things like that. It's it's Lucasfilm, it's it's Kevin Feige and Marvel making decisions, but. I know for a fact that Bob is included on a lot of those things. He was in contact with Favaro and Filoni when they were doing Mandalorian. I'm sure he's had plenty of contact with Kevin Feige. Yeah, I mean, they're,
1: they're, definitely in, it, they're definitely involved, but I mean, especially with a lot of the revelations that have been coming out within the past week of Kevin Feige. And most of this has come from interviews with Mark Ruffalo, where he's basically gone back and said, you know, back when Eisner was in charge and, the other, and, and kind of the old guard back when, you know, Kevin Feige was trying to push for diversity and right. they were basically saying Captain Marvel's never going to happen, Black Panther's never going to happen cuz there's not an audience for it. Obviously there was a lot more management and things like that when they weren't established when they weren't yeah. established franchises and it's been nice to see that as Things have progressed and, and changed over time. That, that that the leadership has reflected that. Yeah,
0: and that's the nice that thing. Independence. I feel of, like and faith. I feel like Iger had a lot to do with a lot of things, but he was he was also very hands off at the same time. He he wasn't he wasn't pushing the envelope on too many things. He kind of knew when to back off a little bit. Um, I, I'm sure that uh, Chopek knows the same thing. I mean, it, it seems like they've worked together for a long time because he was uh, Chopek was the director of. Oh God, I can't remember. Um, let me look real quick and he see if I can find. Theme it. Parks and entertainment. That's what it was. So it's not like it's not like uh, Chopek has not been around the company before. Um, he is, you know, he he is a Disney guy. He's he knows Bob very well. Um, so I, I think that it, it's going to be okay. I, I can't imagine uh, that Disney would, you know, change anything essentially. Uh, when it comes to switching their CEO, um, like we we talked before, you you said that uh, Chopek is gonna be like the seventh ever CEO of Disney. And yeah, been around for like a Roy Disney years. was the
1: longest. He was around for forty two years. Um, and then it's been twenty one, twenty two for
0: twenty. This is this would be technically the twenty first year for 21 Iger.
1: Almost twenty one for for Iger. Yeah, and he then was. Then I think fifty two thousand was was the next highest uh they're, they're, the the art, the article with all that information came from uh cnnbc uh they put out a nice little article about everybody's longevity there but i mean yeah he he's the third longest serving ceo in the co- in the company and i think that mostly has to do with with the general translation of everybody that's there stays long enough to make sure that things are meaningful and still while they push new boundaries and they're able to explore new things, they still very much keep the core of the company yeah. and those original values intact.
0: Yes, they've done a, a great job at that. I, you know, I've been to, I've been to Disney World twice, uh, both times within the last three years, uh, and I think that what they do is amazing. It reflects what they do in their films, what they do in their. Shows what they do in all kinds of creative mediums. Uh, it is just truly, truly one of the, you know, most am- amazing thing um, that they can do. Uh, just to give you a list, Roy Disney was the was named CEO in 1929. He held that role until 1971. Uh, Don Tatum was after that. He retired in 92. Uh, Carden Walker took over. And, um, Cardin Walker took over after that. Sorry, I'm trying to read here. Um, Eisner took over in 2005. Or,
1: Iger took over in 2005.
0: 2000. He took over in 2000. He was named CEO in 2000. Oh, no, no. You're right. 2000. He was chief. He was COO in 2000. My my mistake. Yeah, he was COO in 2000. Um, I can't find Walker's numbers here. It doesn't quite say, but he he had been with Disney for about 50 years by the time he was done. Ron Miller was after him, uh, and then Michael Eisner was uh, right before Bob, and now Bob Iger, and now it will be Bob Chopek. So
1: a lot of Bobs. Yeah, I mean that's
0: just I mean, but it's amazing when you look at a when you look at a company like Disney. They've been around for almost 100 years. Um, 90 i mean they've been around for 91 years essentially it's just crazy that they could go and only have seven uh, essentially i mean that's like that's like the pittsburgh steelers they've only had three head coaches well, I mean, ever for-
1: for almost half that time span, it was one of the CEO members. The CEO was a Disney, so. right? So, I mean, that makes sense, but it, like, half it's like this lifespan has been outside of that. Original it's just crazy. Family crazy. Like,
0: I mean, you look at the way things are, things are so fluid in today's business world. I mean, like I said, I use the Pittsburgh Steelers as an example. Um, they've had three head coaches and they've been around since 19, uh, 1928, I think, around the same time. Um, it's just wild to me that that is even like a possibility. In, in the way that things are so fluid today, I mean, we look at we it look at other companies and they go through CEOs left and right.
1: I mean, it is. But when you look at the aspects of those companies versus Disney, when something's not broke, you don't fix it. True, absolutely So true. as long as as long as your plan, as long as your your audience is picking up what what you're putting out there, as long as they're buying buying the product. I mean, as as long as people are responding well to what you're doing, there's no point in shaking things up. And even if you do shake things up, you do it in a gradual yeah. standpoint, then so that everybody's still on board. And, I mean, and Disney right, has changed with the times. No, get me wrong. Yes, right? and I think but,
0: that's why they've done so well because they they are not Disney is not something where I've ever looked at them at least in my lifetime and go oh you know this is not this is not good for them they're obviously they're not doing right. something right
1: yeah no i mean there's still definitely like skeletons in the closet if you ever go back and look at like old like yeah i, I mean old that's disney's personal politics and what have you but the politics of the company have always been yes. in line with what the majority of the the culture of the com- country and ultimately world at large has been yes very much has so been, has been pushing and
0: i think that just you know they move with the times very well it's not something that you know, they, it's not something that they're stuck in their old ways or anything like that. They are very progressive when it comes to all these things. And I think that's why, on ultimately, that they are very successful. And I think they will continue to be successful under Bob Chopek. Um, do you have any other topics or anything you'd like to talk about tonight? I think we kind of went through the big ones. Like I said, guys, uh, unfortunately, we are recording a little bit early just because I am going away for the weekend. So we won't be able to record on our normal Thursday, Friday time slot um but next week we'll have a little bit of a longer show for you guys i got
1: one other thing uh, in terms of video games just to oh, kind okay. of backtrack oh that.
0: yes 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 we want to talk about this real quick
1: well i mean okay so two things technically oh, okay uh, cool. the first one this is xbox specific anybody who's an xbox insider program if you go down and go to the go to the hub on your xbox home or, or settings go ahead and get yourself a quick free subscription for that because they have currently put out a uh, a current update for most xbox insiders uh, which allows you to eject your discs from your controller without having to get up and physically go to the console. That will hopefully uh, be pushed out. Uh, th- this story broke about seven hours ago via Reddit for most of the original testers for this. Uh, they're hoping to get it out in a general update uh, soon. There's no actual uh, number on that yet, but if you remember the Xbox Insiders program, you can do that. Uh, second of all anybody who's old 90s uh cartoon network adult swim fans of the old samurai jack franchise uh there is a video game that is that they've announced and put gameplay and trailer footage out. a little bit of fanatic. gameplay yep trailer
0: uh, was cool it mixed the uh mixed the graphics of the game with the old style cartoon yeah yeah it, very it, very nice
1: it looks very very good very crisp very clean uh very excited to see what comes out of that um but that is out. Go out there and take a look at it. It looks like it's going to be available for all major uh, platforms, Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Uh, so that will be available to everybody.
0: Uh, summer 2020 is the release date on that. So.
1: And then we got two small bits of Marvel news. Uh, Stephanie Beatrice, uh, who was of Brooklyn Nine-Nine fame. Uh, oh, yes. She has basically come out and confirmed or basically shot down rumors that she is currently being looked at for, for She-Hulk. Hulk. Uh, which saddens me, but they are looking for an Allison Brie-type character. I did see that. Um, which, if anybody's familiar with Mad Men, she played Trudy. Or if you're familiar with think, more, things that are more of a comedic uh, nature, community, she played Annie. So she, she is a very good uh, actor. She was most recently in Glow on Netflix. Um,
0: That's where I saw her name from originally. But,
1: uh, they said they were looking for, not necessarily her, but someone who is one of her type of characters. So we're looking for a diverse actress and it's obviously going to be a very good cast looking at that. But um, that's really the only thing we have is that that's definitely put a finite look at uh, where She-Hulk is supposed to be going. But that's all we got for you guys. All
0: right. And like LZ said, that is all we have for you guys tonight. We are glad that you guys had a another quick podcast with us. And if that's everything, then...
1: Yep, yeah, we'll uh, leave you guys to it. keep playing what you like to play, watch the things you like to watch, keep an ear out for all the news that you won't get to hear from us ourselves this week, although we'll probably touch up on it next week as it is only Tuesday, but you'll be hearing us on Saturday. So until then, keep it between the joysticks. We'll see you guys later.